Thanks for tuning in. My name's Andre Servin, and you're listening to Off the Roost Podcast, brought to you by Off the Roost Custom Calls, turkey calls for the serious hunter. Join me and my co-host, Paul Murdahl, as we delve into the world of the wild turkey, covering everything from calling tips and tactics and hunting strategies to the latest equipment available, featuring interviews from special guests and custom call giveaways. We'll do our best to keep you up to date on this obsession we call turkey hunting. We appreciate you joining us. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for uh, tuning into our podcast. We are Off the Roost Podcast. And we're also, well, not all of us. I am Off the Roost Calls. And my buddy Paul, he has his own uh, little call thing. So, uh, Paul, what is your name? Um, Paul Murdahl. And, um, yeah, like you said, I've, I've been kind of dabbling into making box calls here for, I guess, the last year. Yep. But, uh, and that's, uh, Cooley custom calls. Well, I don't know if I have an, a name specific for it, but I, I do have an Instagram account where I, I have Cooley custom calls, you know, kind of, if I, if I do end up selling calls in the future, I think that's probably what the name is going to be. Yeah. And yeah, uh, since, uh, Paul brought it up, I am, uh, off the roost calls on Instagram um, so we are a new podcast. I, I think I missed it. It's Cooley Creek custom calls. Oh, that's right. It is Cooley Creek custom calls. Right. That was my mistake. Um, so yeah, I was saying we are a new podcast, a new turkey hunting podcast. And this podcast birthed because Paul used to come over to my house and, uh, we used to just, uh, drink beer and talk about turkeys till two in the morning. And then one day Paul said, well, why don't we just record all these conversations? Because, right. you know, you'd, you'd also, you'd also text me quite a bit with all your problems you were having chasing gobblers in Iowa and wherever. Correct. We'd, we'd hash it back and forth and we'd get into a lot of stuff where I thought maybe we should, should be <laughs> recording it. Cause we went through a lot of good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, um, that's a little bit of uh, kind of one of the things we got going on here with this podcast is uh, I'm a newer guy. And uh, Paul's been he's a turkey veteran. He's been hunting turkeys for a very long time. Um, what would you say, Paul? Uh, early 90s? Late 80s? Yeah, some, somewhere. I, w- I would venture to guess it was somewhere around 91, mm-hmm. maybe 92. And... Uh, yeah, I, I did. I used to bug Paul a lot and ask him all sorts of uh, tactical questions and uh, head scratchers for me when the turkeys would uh, make me feel like a fool. Um, I met Paul, uh, well, we kind of met each other on the uh, old Gobbler forum, and then we kind of found out that we both lived in uh, Minnesota. So we eventually kind of linked up together. I think what... What it was was I had read a post of yours 
where you were, I think you were, was it you were worried about the cold temperatures? Maybe it was. No, that was one of them because opening morning was going to drop to like 12 degrees and I didn't know if it was a good idea to sleep in my truck. Right. And I, I, I pretty sure I, I recognized the area you were, you were hunting and I sent you a private message, you know, stating where the area was and yeah. said, if you, if you needed any help that I'd hunted down there quite a bit Yep. and I'd be, I'd be able to help, help you out however I could. And I, I think that's how we really got started. Yep. It is because, uh, you definitely helped me out there, and then I try to not bug you, even though the uh, turkeys were driving me crazy in Wisconsin. See, what you didn't realize is I was jonesing to talk turkey with something yes. with somebody because I, I don't really know very many turkey hunters. You know, I got my brother and my dad. They um they do it a little bit, but they're not they're not into it. My brother. I don't think he's turkey hunted in the last three years. You know, he did he did quite a bit when we were we were younger. And then my dad my my dad's turkey hunted pretty much throughout, but now it's you know, he he generally goes with me. We spent most of his turkey hunting career where I would be leading him around and calling for him and yeah. he was he was the trigger man. Yep. Yep. Um so Paul, um, you know, you're talking about hunting with your dad. Um, so I know I'm originally from California and I've only lived in Minnesota for, I don't know, maybe six and seven years, but you're born and raised Minnesota, right? Yes. So, so you've been hunting the Minnesota woods for a long time. Right. Since, since I was probably, well, I mean, when I was super young, it would be, my dad probably, he, he, not probably, but he bought us a pellet gun and sent us out. You know, we lived in a pretty open suburbs just out of the Twin Cities metro area in Minneapolis and St. Paul or Minnesota. And we'd just go out and we'd harass the squirrels and, and the rabbits and whatnot. And, oh, yeah. And then, um, you know, in the fall, it would be once a week. We'd have the wild game dinner, and we'd eat the rabbits and the squirrels and whatever else we were able to harass and and bag in the you know just outside the backyard. Yeah. So it was, it was since you know, and I would imagine I was eight, nine, maybe ten years old when that started happening, and then it progressed progressed there from from I got my gun safety, and then I was able to go duck hunting and deer hunting, and that was what thirteen you were allowed. I believe back then they were allowed to legally hunt by yourself with gun certificate. So the duck hunting was, you know, a group thing, but the deer hunting, they just said, all right, you know, here's your tree stand, go sit in your tree. There was, there was no eight years old or five years old where you're sitting in dad's lap or whatever. It was threw you right in the fire and <laughs> said, you're on your own kiddo. Yeah. Here's a whistle. That's great. Here's a whistle. If you shoot something, <laughs> if you shoot something or if you, if you hear something or you get in trouble, just start blowing on the whistle and somebody will come help you out. Yeah. You know, uh, and it turns out that <clears throat> turns out that opening morning, I did end up shooting two does and really, I started blowing on, I started blowing on my whistle and the, my dad wasn't nearby, but his friend was nearby and, the story he tells about how it's blown on the whistle, it was kind of funny. He said, 
<laughs> he said, I heard the shots. And then about 10 minutes, I just heard this dang whistle just blowing and blowing and blowing. He said, it's like, it's it's not like I was real far away from you. I could hear it. You didn't need to blow the whistle so much. That's <laughs> I was, great. I was a little excited. Yeah, no. Two does, man. That's cool. Um, right. You know, I don't know if it's a boy thing or whatever, man, but uh, up even over in California, around that same age is when I managed to get my hands on a BB gun. And uh, it was the uh, the pump kind, you know. So we try to pump that thing as much as possible so the velocity is stronger. And we were doing the same thing, man, just like shooting birds in the backyard. And we even took that thing to like a park nearby and we're shooting things there. And I'm surprised. Oh, man. I got a crazy story of an incident. But I guess... Since I brought it up, there's always that one wild friend of the group. And so there was this wild kid and uh, we were in like a regular suburban neighborhood. He shot a bird off of a street light, but he didn't kill it. Like it didn't die. It had like a broken wing or something. And I was like, great, man. Now we got to finish that thing off. I was like, I told you not to do that. We're like 13 years old. Some lady was, she had, she was doing her laundry in her garage. And she had the side door of her garage open because she was going like in and out of the house or whatever. The bird like flopped its way into the garage. And it ended up going behind her, like, washing machine or something like that. So when she wasn't in there doing the laundry and we'd see her go in the house, we'd run in her garage and I we'd try to get the bird. And then we'd run back out and hide again, hoping not to get caught. And then it just got to a point where I was like, dude, we need to just go tell this lady what's going on. And so I had him go and knock on the lady's door. We were all there. She had, like you know, three 13-year-old boys, 12 and 13-year-old boys outside telling her that uh, we shot this bird and it flopped into her garage and we need to go and get it. <laughs> oh, man. And all the stuff we had to move out of the way to get the bird. There was no way we were going to pull it off prior. Did you get Did you get a lecture from the woman? No. We tried to kind of frame it and be like, yeah, we were just uh, hunting in that park right over there. And then she was like, yeah, I don't think you guys are allowed to do that. And I'm like, no, 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 it's cool. I was like, we were in the park. You know, <laughs> I remember that. And uh, so we got the bird. And then uh, I told him, I was like, now you got to cook it, man. I'm like, you got the bird. I don't even know what kind of bird it was. But I was like, oh, you got to eat it. And uh, he ended up like, he took one bite out of this thing after we kind of cooked it we didn't know what we were doing and he spit it out and i was like oh well i mean i guess you took a bite out of it but that's my was it was it cooked first at least nah dude it was not cooked at all yeah no i mean we tried to cook it but like there was no field prep we pretty much just like barbecued the like threw it on the grill and turned it on and we're like okay that's good enough right you know (laughs) Um, but, uh, 
that's that's my uh you know 12 13 year old uh crazy bb gun story and after that man that's when it was over that's when i was like we're done dude we're freaking done with this like that was crazy don't let so-and-so get the bb gun again um so so when when did you when did you finally start working into you know actual hunting mm. that wasn't until i moved out here man uh it was always something that i wanted to do and uh it wasn't the most accessible thing over in california i did have a friend whose uh, dad was uh like a western big game guy but uh he was pretty hardcore into it and well i don't know i guess just uh when i asked him to kind of show me the ropes it was a little bit of like zero to 100 you know with him and uh it was just a little bit uh too intense for me because he'd be gone for like weeks at a time and at this point in time uh, in my life that was just not a feasible option it's still even for me now i can't take off somewhere for like two weeks you know i have too many responsibilities for that um but uh so that kind of sat to the side and then i moved out here and where you know in the midwest it's a lot more accessible and it's uh i would say deer hunting's like pretty cultural out here um <clears throat> so yeah i moved out here and started seeing turkeys uh, in the neighborhood and at the, at the time you moved out had you already met your wife or did you meet her out here no man uh, at this point we've we were i think we were married for about five years so so you drug her with you what was the decision that made you come to Minnesota? Um, cost of living, man. At first. Cost of living? At first, it was cost of living. I actually really like Minnesota. If I could move so anywhere in the country, I'd still live here. So you're you're one of the original California refugees then? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from all the guys that are fleeing out because of the high taxes and the crime rate and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, I guess I kind of did it right before it started getting, like you were saying, that this mass exodus from the place, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of them were going to Texas and I kicked around the idea of Texas too, but. Well, I think the the big three now are Texas, Tennessee and Florida, I think. For, for transplants. Right, for California transplants. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think the uh, upper Midwest in particular is a California transplant location, which is uh, perfectly fine with me. Um, it's too too cold for them in the winter. Too cold, and then, yeah, I mean, cold is definitely one of it. You know, I don't too, know if maybe too, they feel it's a little too bland for them, you know? That and... and- Possibly, you know, the taxes they're trying to escape in California are still going to affect them here. Yeah, there's a little bit of that here for sure. Um, But, uh, yeah, man. uh, So I started seeing gobblers in the neighborhood, turkeys, and uh, I lost And this would have been, what time frame would have this been about, you know, 2010, 2005, where... What day oh, are you no. looking at? No, oh, no, no. When I moved to Minnesota, it was like 2018. 
2018, so not too long ago then. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, uh, I saw, I came to visit my in-laws for Christmas and I saw a family flock in the, just walking down the street in their, their neighborhood. And uh, yeah, man, I was just through the roof with it. And uh, yeah, immediately I just started looking into like how to hunt these birds, how to hunt turkeys. And I made that, that decision kind of, I decided, I didn't tell anybody, but mentally I was like, we're going to move out here. And then once I came out here, even before I came out here, I was already kind of looking into like how to get into turkey hunting and deer hunting. Um, and, you know, luckily for me, I wanted to get into it and I figured I was going to need some books, books on how to hunt turkeys. So the first thing that I looked up was good turkey books. And I the first one I bought was 10th Legion. And then the second one was a one man game, which is really interesting of of all the turkey books and stuff that you could get that I ended up getting those two books. And that's what I read. I remember being on the plane coming out here to Minnesota. I had these books that I was reading, you know? Um, so that's kind of, uh, my introduction, man. And then, uh, (laughs) I started, uh, bugging some people to take me. And then that's when I learned that, uh, you just have to go out there and do it yourself, man. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a little different for you, you know, because everything that you're getting involved is self-initiated, where, you know, it was more of a a family thing for me. My dad hunted, his dad hunted, and, you know, so it just was kind of a progression. They just, you know, it was almost a given that, yeah. you know, we we got three boys in, in our family, you know, my two, me and my two brothers, and it was just kind of a good, and we just started hunting. It's it's just how how we did it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it'll be the same thing, uh, you know, for my boy. You know, I've actually, uh, I, I taught him, uh, if you ask him, what does a turkey say? He goes, gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> I already got him messing around with calls, too, man. I'm going to enter him now, in the Pulse division. How how old is he? Oh, he's 17 he's months right now. Yeah, I was going to say he's a year and a half now. Yep. And I got him a little toy turkey. He's got a little toy turkey, and he plays with it. Right now, he's kind of into his monster trucks, but the turkeys, it lingers around the vicinity. It goes for a ride every once in a while. It does. It goes for a ride. (laughs) Unlike with Dad. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Maybe one or two a year, though. Maybe. All right. We'll give you that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Paul, why don't you, uh, I guess, uh, let's talk about how do you, how do you like to hunt turkeys? Cause I guess we both, I think I, I personally think that there's more similarities than maybe we're aware of, but, uh, how do you go about hunting turkeys? Sure. I mean, it's been it's been a pro- progression for me. I guess would be, you know, I started back in the early '90s, and back then it was 
you know, try to learn as much as you can about the turkeys we're hunting because, I mean, there really wasn't a lot of information out there that you could get your hands on. I mean, they had the um, turkey hunting magazine or whatever that came out every other month. and Yeah, turkey and turkey hunting. Turkey and turkey hunting. And, and that was basically all I had to go by. I mean, the Internet was it's still in its infancy. You really couldn't get a a whole lot of information, you know, off the Internet. You know, you could get your basic, you know, yeah, we got a turkey season here in Georgia and the regulations and stuff like that. But as far as getting your online mapping and, you know, where you could go hunt and stuff, that was pretty limited. You actually had to go to these areas and and hunt them. So we, we got we got started in, in Minnesota. We had put in for a group drawing to start out with, and it was me, my dad, and my brother. And I was fired up. It was kind of something, I, you know, the turkeys were getting pretty good in Minnesota as far as the population. I knew people were hunting them, and my dad had, had hunted them once with the group that he had put in from work. Yeah. And I I was out, you know, the season came in back then probably about the same time. So I was I was out in end of February, March, and I had their attention was to hunt this public ground. But I had tied up all the permission for the private ground around it, thinking that, you know, oh, it's going to be great on this private property. You know, these turkeys will get chased off the public property and they'll be sitting out on the private. And then come to find, you know, that the public property was just as good or if not even better than the private property around the, the perimeter. So it, it, it was kind of eye-opening, you know. Yeah. That, all the game would could actually and there was there was quite a few turkeys around at that time. In the first hunt, I believe it was my brother, you know, not I believe, I know for a fact, the first morning of his first hunt, thirty minutes into it maybe, you know, probably before the sun came up even, he ended up shooting what the guy at the check station had thought was possibly a world record turkey wow and it was it was um it was like 27 and a half pounds with the 11 inch beard and like inch and three quarter spurs wow when, when he measured up to give the information to the state and it was like you guys should check into that and actually find out what this ranks with the nwtf because he he knew it was pretty high up there, if not one of the highest at the time. Yeah. So, and like I said, the internet was in its infancy at the time. So, you know, I kind of got on the internet a little bit looking for, you know, what possibly could be the world record and whatnot. And there was no information on that. And I think to actually, you know, take your measurements and put the application in cost like 30 bucks or something like that so we just kind of we blew it off and didn't pay attention to it and then when i heard here just recently that the world record turkey was just shot here in new jersey and it was a gobbler about the same size i was like oh really <laughs> and i we, we we've still got the um we got the um fan and the beard and the spurs from the one my brother shot, he had he had it mounted, and it's got the plate underneath it saying, you know, how much it weighed. And 
I measured the spurs on it, and I measured the beard on it, and it was it was right up there as far as scoring, as far as being a world record. So, and uh, this pretty, pretty interesting. And it, it, this is that? Uh, this is the uh, one you told me your brother I think uh, flew down right off the roost. And he shot it opening morning and said, this is easy. Is this the brother? Right, yeah. right. He's, he's one of them spoiled guys. And and so, yeah, it, it, it like I said, if he was out in a little pasture-like deal, crop field, I think it was probably pasture at the time, or a hay field anyways. And just across it, it was probably maybe 100 yards across this little narrow section and the turkeys were roosted in the woods on the other side where there was a river valley and they were on the edge of the bluffs that folded into the river valley and it, it folded down, walked to the edge of the edge of the clearing and came right across, Yeah, stomped on his decoy and <laughs> when it raised its head up when it was in the middle of stomping his decoys, my brother shot him. He, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't really know a heck of a lot about turkeys or turkey calling or anything like that. I think it was maybe just a couple clucks and some purrs that, yeah. that that's all he did. And he was he was probably, you know, like I said, he was probably back in the truck before the sun came up. <laughs> wow. And I I had I had my I did I, I don't know if my dad had shot one. But I had gone for a good part of that first week. You know, we had a five-day period without hearing much for turkeys on the private on the private property. And then I had, I think it was my it was my last morning. I got into the same area where my brother had shot his, and I was the same same he was. I had no clue really about how turkeys acted, and you know, I just knew I knew the males had a beard and they gobbled. Yeah, the base to be about it, and I knew a little bit of turkey calling with the pot call, and I had some diaphragms that are with me, but I, I wasn't any good on them, and I was probably afraid to use them. Yeah, and I was I was on this little ridge top, and I did some some scratching, and or not some scratching, but some yelps on the pot call, and lo and behold, the turkey gobbles not less than a hundred yards away from me, <laughs> and I'm just standing out in the middle of nowhere, so I just quick get up next to a tree and start leaning for it and I look over to where I heard the gobble and here comes a here comes a gobbler pushing I think probably what was it three hens in front of him and he comes across in front of me and sets up you know maybe 35 40 yards away tops and steps out from behind his tree in full strut and I'm peeking around the tree looking at him and I'm just freaking out yeah my heart's racing and and I shot at him. <laughs> and it, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest shot decision in the world. He he rolled over backwards and flopped around and I got up to start running up there and when I got up there he was gone. I have no idea where he went, never found him, looked looked for quite a long time and, and that was it. And ever since that point I was I was hooked. I yeah. the 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 image of him stepping out from behind that that tree. Oh yeah. And seeing him in full strut like that, it it's seared into my brain at this at this time. I can see it like it was Oh yeah. Like it was happening right now. And like I said, Minnesota was 
you had to put in for a drawing and you'd maybe get drawn every third year. So when the next spring had come along and I was eaten up by this last turkey hunt that I had of, of my first trip, I had to find a place to go. So I think my first trip was down to Arkansas. And then I met some buddies on the way back from Arkansas. I think I stayed in Arkansas for like three or four days. And then on the way back from Arkansas, I met some buddies in Missouri and we hunted there for a week. And I actually ended up shooting my first gobbler ever in Missouri that 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 trip on the way back. Yeah. And I think it was the following year I started I went to Georgia to change it up a little bit and I really I really liked Georgia quite a bit. And I the state park where I stayed I met got to be good friends with with the ranger and, and his assistant there and they're they're big turkey hunters and I ended up going down there every spring and hanging out for, you know, generally about two weeks. And um, I know yeah, that's that would maybe. Yeah, I know you've mentioned to me that uh, that ranger actually kind of kind of helped you out kind of quite a bit, right? Yeah, I'm I'm sure you know that first year or two I probably got on his nerves a little bit because whenever I found him while he's working on in the park somewhere i was always up bugging him asking him questions about this and that and here and there and i'm sure it was kind of annoying but he he, he like i said he was he, he loved to talk turkey so it was it was actually pretty easy talking to him and you were we, uh in we your, actually you were in your early I, 20s yeah i would probably have been about 21 22 and he is he was probably i think probably in his mid to late 30s at the time maybe 10 15 years ahead of me yeah and you know uh i think too also what kind of helps out at least with him too is that they were hunting turkeys in georgia a whole lot longer than they were hunting turkeys in minnesota so it's kind of hard i would say to find somebody in minnesota to kind of show you the ropes i mean i'm sure there's somebody there that that was a, a very skilled turkey hunter but i would say overall the popularity of hunting turkeys just wasn't that big in minnesota so uh no. going down down south to have somebody there kind of teach you the ropes i mean uh that kind of sounds like not the only way to go but a good way to go right and and you know i guess I guess it was, you know, I'd go storm around the woods all day or whatever. And then, you know, when things happened to me and I had questions about whatever, it would be the next time I seen him, I'd be up next to him and bugging him and asking him, you know, why did they do this? Why did they do that? Where where do you think they're going to go when it's 90 degrees out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Sounds like all the questions so, yeah. I ask you. Right, right. Right. So that was pretty neat. And, and I got acquainted with the guy. You know, I think I probably went down there for, you know, 10 years in a row. And then life things happened where I wasn't able to make it down there for a while. Yeah. But then here just recently, I think after like a 20 year hiatus, I ended up going back down there. And it was like, you know, even though I when talking to him and corresponding with the guys, the, the assistant and the ranger, you know, they had logged the areas off a lot that I had hunted and stuff like that. But by the time I got back down there, all, all these 
all these areas were 20 years old again and it was like i never it was like yeah. i never left a lot a lot of the spots i was hunting even one of the, my favorite spots mm-hmm. that did end up getting logged i i made it down there and it was that was my plan was to go to that spot and check it out and i climbed up on that ridge right away in the morning and it was a little chilly out i before i got out it was supposed to be like in the low 40s and the wind was supposed to be blowing real hard and i was contemplating putting long johns and stuff on before i went out and i was like nah man and you're from minnesota you just come through winter you can handle it and i was wrong yeah I was wrong about an hour and a half into my sit up on that little on the little knob of that ridge. I was I was probably getting hypothermic. Wow. <laughs> right. But about that time I I did end up hearing a turkey gobble down down in the, the next creek bed below me and I tried calling them for a little bit with very little replies or anything like that. Yeah. And um, I decided I needed to, I either needed to go back to the truck or I needed to get up and move to warm myself up so I didn't freeze it out there. So I kind of made a swing around and got down into the um, into the valley and ended up getting them stirred up. And it would have been, you know, a 20-year hiatus where the first morning back, I ended up bagging a gobbler and yeah. in the same spot. And That's cool. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I'll dive into a little bit of, uh, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the first turkey I ever got, and this was over in Minnesota, and opening week was, we had something like eight inches of snow, opening day, there was like eight inches of snow, and it was 12 degrees. It was horrible. So... That whole entire week for me, we had just had that snow for about three days. And then after that, it was gone. It was, uh, man, I was just doing what everybody does. I was just walking around all over the place, just like yakking away on, on calls, you know, just yakking, yakking, yakking. And I'd get birds to gobble. They'd respond. And there were even a few times that I was actually calling them in, but I was just over calling because I didn't know when to be quiet. So I'm just yakking and yakking and yakking and they'd come in, they'd come about halfway in. And you know what? Because I was yakking on calls so much, I was actually firing up a lot of birds, man. Like it was like almost every day I'd get like one or two to just like get super fired up and I would just end up blowing it because I just call them the whole way. And uh, then it was the very last day of the season. The morning was amazing. And it was so much. It's still up to this day, man. It was the most gobbling like I've ever heard. It was, there were like birds on every single bench, on every single finger. And uh, they were all gobbling to me. And I just got them all fired up, man. And I... Oh man, I must have had. Like, I I would imagine you know, if it was like me when I first started out, you're you were probably you know the same type of style. You where you were, you heard a turkey gobble and you were racing after it. Yep, trying to get as close as you can. And either he wasn't interested, you bumped him, 
or mess something up or something like that. And then it was, oh, there's another turkey goblin over there. Let's go after that one. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's how I was when I first started. <laughs> and uh, And then, so the morning was just this gobbling-filled morning, and I maybe called in like three gobblers, but... I'd screw it up, you know, because I would just continue to overcall and overcall. But they would close the distance. They'd be at like a hundred yards out, and they they'd come in. One came in to about forty yards. I never actually saw him, but from the last gobble he did, it was about forty yards. But there was a a little a little bit kind of more tucked away. Uh, little parcel on this uh, little section of this piece of public. And uh, it was like five o'clock or something like that. And, you know, we could hunt all day in Minnesota. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go work this whole ridge system and we'll just see what happens. It's the last day. And I get there. I go up to the very first ridge point. I do a little call sequence bird hammers it this was a kamikaze two-year-old not only was this a kamikaze two-year-old this was a kamikaze two-year-old blessing from god because he's just like you know what man just give this kid a bird man just let him have it you know (laughs) i i screwed this one up so bad and this bird was basically Like I said, it was a gift bird. So he's across this valley on a point. I cross the valley, making all sorts of noise. I get there. He moves away. I don't know if he saw me. He moves away. Goes quiet. I cross the valley again, right back to the ridge point I was on. And I start calling on that ridge point again. He fires back up almost right away. And then next thing you know, I'm hearing him gobbling like on a a little shelf on that same, the, the ridge I was on. And again, I'm just yapping, 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 and he's gobbling. And then... I I was unaware of this, but I was actually where I was sitting. I was on the very, very top, but there was a little, uh, how do you say it, like a indentation or whatever in the landscape, and I was inside of that, and there was, at one point in time, the bird, I think, just couldn't take it anymore, and he actually fully crested the ridge because I heard him right on the top gobbling, and I was like, oh, great. He's going to come in. And then he didn't. He like exposed himself and gobbled. And I think he hung out for a few seconds and then went right back over. And then he went quiet for like 20 minutes. And I don't know. I maybe called to him for like 45 minutes or something, man. And then I was quiet for that last 20 minutes too. But I was only quiet because I thought he was just gone. I was like, (laughs) man, he's just gone. Yeah. So... I decided to head for the truck. But before I headed for the truck, I said, I just want to see where this bird was at. 
So I get the gun ready because by this point from all my shenanigans, I've learned if you're going to crest a ridge or vice versa, uh, just be ready because you just never know what you're going to see on the other side of this. So I got my gun ready. I think even the safety's off and I'm slowly walking tree to tree as I'm approaching the crest of the ridge to be able to peek over. And then just right below the crest is the gobbler and he's just standing there on a log. And he sees me, I see him. I'm like, man, I'm gonna try to get this bird and I like start to raise the gun. And then as I'm raising the gun, the bird's kind of like, huh, I'm out of here. He takes one step forward and that was all it took, man. And that bird, after the shot, just like stumbled and fell all the way down to the valley. So here I am going all the way down the valley again. <laughs> and for, for those who haven't hunted uh, this part of Minnesota, um, the elevation changes from the top to the bottom could be anywhere from like three to 400. This one was in the 300, which is about average. Would you say that's about average? <clears throat> Yeah, but but it's 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 almost straight down when you go over the side. Yep. So this is uh, my third time going all the way down to the bottom, and then I fourth right climbing back up. You know, but <laughs> so I go down. I'm like on cloud nine, and uh, I still actually have a photo and video of this bird. But I get my bird and I climb back out and then by the time i get to the truck i look and there was just like 30 minutes of legal light left and uh that's the story of my first bird man and pretty sweet yep yep it made you earn it though having to go down after him again oh yeah so that's a little bit about us that's a little bit of uh some funny stories and stuff but uh you know, we uh, we hope that you guys uh, tune into the rest of the stuff that we got going on. We got a lot of uh, great guests coming up. Um, yep. So, <clears throat> with that said, thanks for uh, listening to Off the Roost. <laughs>